The podcast you are about to hear is an account of an iconic tragedy that was witnessed by two best friends from Cast Me to Hell, Seb and Robbie. It is all the more tragic in that the listener was young, but had they lived very, very long lives, they could not have expected, nor would they have wanted to listen to as much of the mad and macabre as they were to hear that day. For them, an idyllic Monday podcast had become a nightmare. The events of that episode were to lead to one of the most bizarre crimes in podcast history. Episode 45, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Welcome back to Cast Me to Hell with me, Seb. And with me, Robbie. <laughs> and we're, uh, we are, well, we've finally managed to get that sorted. And uh, <laughs> we are here with episode 45, looking at um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974. Uh, ready for the newly, would you say, eagerly anticipated um, Texas Chainsaw um, Massacre, Netflix original film. I mean, I, I feel like the, the, the hype's definitely gone up since the trailer was released because they'd kept it so close to the chest. There'd been barely anything apart from that early when production started poster. There hadn't really been much at all released for the film. <laughs> we got a poster and a trailer within a few days of each other, but that was it. And that's only what? That was only like three weeks before its release date. So it's quite strange how close it's come. Yeah, I mean, I bet you. I remember when it was kind of originally announced. I think we got another. We got a. We got a brief trailer, didn't we? Um, and we got the news that um, Sally Hardesty was going to be returning. And then we kind of didn't get anything until the the trailer that you're talking about that dropped maybe last weekend, last week before. Um, yeah. So we didn't really get anything for it. But obviously, we're going to be covering that on. Um, uh, the 18th of February with uh, Simon from So I Married a Horror Fan Podcast um, and we thought we'd look at the original to kind of get ourselves excited get ourselves hyped for this um, yeah. I'm a big fan of the franchise anyway, um, I know it's one of those ones where it's kind of quite messy and is all over the place anyway, um, but as the franchise as a whole, I do kind of have this soft spot for because it is a very 
it's a very weird franchise in general. Um, looking, I mean, looking at the 1974 film itself, there's a there's a lot there that's kind of an early template for, you know, what came to be the golden age of slasher films. You know, we've got we've got an iconic villain um, who I believe was the first to use kind of household. Um, you know, machinery, weaponry in the chainsaw. We've got, a, you know, a prototype final girl. We've got kind of some of the the trapping, the trappings and the settings of a slasher film. It just doesn't quite go yeah, there. It, <laughs> no, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, it's hard. It, it, it's always strange because because this film is so like ahead of its time. It, it's easy to forget, like, some people often think of, like, Halloween coming before Texas Chainsaw because Halloween's so much tamer, in a way, than Texas Chainsaw. When you think of the big iconics, uh, Halloween and Texas Chainsaw as, like, not just iconic horrors, but more so than possibly Nightmare and Friday the 13th, they're two ones where their first films are seen almost as, like, the critically as all-time great horror films yeah um so it's interesting with texas chainsaw all of these when you think about it that it's almost like the psycho obviously similar kind of links there but psycho it's almost like texas chainsaw taking that alfred hitchcock psycho and taking it to a next level of like graphic kind of horror well that's it so it's a very it's a very graphic film um but it's also very strange in terms of uh, a lot of people remember this as being an extremely bloody film and being kind of you know i believe it was banned in the uk for some time and it's banned in quite a few places um and it there is a lot of shocking stuff in there um and when yeah. we rewatched it um i mean when i rewatched it particularly uh, i was very there were some scenes that i was really disturbed at but then th- there's no kind of blood in them at all when there is blood it's kind of very minimal um and it's more the implication of violence and the implication of stuff that you see you know like dennis reynolds says you know it's the implication um, <laughs> so yeah I don't it's, know. it's absolutely you're you're right about the um it, it this film is so much more about the psychological it is this is what makes this possible like like one of the greatest of all time and it's not because it's a blood and gore film even though people think chainsaw means there must be blood splattering everywhere and if you look to their sequels then yes maybe but (laughs) um but in this one no it is literally a case of even when people get hooked or hammers to the head there's not really any blood it's more about the shockingness of it that it's so like real there's a realism to this film which is what makes it so scary yeah, that's it. It's all it's quite grounded, um, but also has that kind of absurdity to it as well. Um, I mean, the opening crawl itself, which obviously we've replicated this episode, um, it's just such a a strange way to open up uh, a horror film. I just, you know, yeah. I, I think this was a, when did Star Wars come out? Um, <laughs> was that 74, 75 or seven? Maybe 77. No, 77. Yeah. And obviously Star Wars is very known for its iconic kind of opening crawl. And it's just having one in the horror films is a very strange thing. Um, and we know that um, kind of talking about, we'll touch on it because it mentions that it's based, you know, it's a true story, um, which yeah. obviously they've kind of come out to say that it isn't. Um, 
and I found some interesting stuff about the actual um, the, the the ideas behind it being the true story. Um, so yeah. I know, kind of originally, it was obviously based on the serial killer Ed Gein, um, who I yeah. believe was from Wisconsin in the. 40s or 50s or something like that and obviously um this isn't a true crime podcast um and (laughs) so we won't go deeply into the story um and it is a relatively well-known case but it was about this kind you know it was kind of this loner guy same kind of influence as psycho most i think psycho is very famously based on ed gein as well um and he kind of uh you know, he he murdered two or three women, I think, and it kind of started to wear be wearing the the skin and kind of creating stuff out of ornaments out of the bones. And I think he was quite famously a grave robber as well. Um, yeah. And we see with this film, it opens up about mentions of grave robbing. Um, but there was also something else that I found out quite interestingly, um, and it's that Toby Hooper kind of got the idea from for having a villain you know that that wielded a chainsaw uh when he was christmas shopping um at a department <laughs> store um because he, he kind of he'd always kind of been grown up uh, i think his parents owned a, owned a movie theater um and he he'd always wanted to know that he'd wanted to make films um, <laughs> and he's in this department store and he's thinking about you know um <laughs> um this kind of fantasy about getting him when he was is surrounded with this crowd. And he had this fantasy about getting a chainsaw and just carving everybody down, um, which is kind of, it's one of those fantasies that I think everybody, I mean, I've had this before. Um, <laughs> and he kind of that had, speaks he more about that. you. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and he kind of had that about that. It, that is an idea for a movie right there. Somebody who uses it. Um, and the idea that it, it was based on a true story. Apparently, uh, that came about because Toby Hooper felt that um, they that they'd been lied to, kind of people by the U.S. government about kind of v- the Vietnam War and then Watergate as well. Which I don't. I mean, we don't know a whole lot about Watergate being in the UK, but from my understanding, it was to do with Richard Nixon. Um, kind of wiretapping his political opponents or something like that. Um, and yeah. it was leaked that he'd done it and whilst he'd been saying that he had. Um, obviously, if, if there's more to the story, um, then let us know because it would be something there. Um, and he also wanted a real kind of human to be the villain of the movie. Um, you know, And he had this idea of Leatherface wearing a man mask um, and that the 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 brutality in the film is man-made. So his idea of this kind of true story came from being lied to by the US government, um, which I always felt was quite interesting. Um, yeah, I, so the, the yeah. sub, I, like, it, I mean, most, a lot of great horror films normally have a kind of subtext of where they're looking at and definitely throughout the 70s. Um, as we, I think way back, what was it like episode three when we talked about the changing crazes in horror films and stuff yeah. like that? And we talked about how like history definitely changes the way that horror looks at and what people find scary. And at that point in time, I feel like the the broken PTSD kind of style of like they're inbreds, but at the same time, there's almost like a broken nature to the Texas background and 
the rundown economy and the way that his, his, even his, his brother is, you know, almost seems like someone who could have been a vet that's really fucked up in the war kind of thing. That seems well, to kind well, of play the, into the fears. Like, the that were from the played theater. the hitchhiker. Yeah, the actor who played the hitchhiker and now Wolf. Um, and he, so he came back and kind of spoke about it. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, still getting over this uh, cold. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, no, uh, I get what you mean with. Um, I mean, I'm sure a lot of the actors in this were in what the considering it's in the 1970s, a lot of them would have been either part of the Vietnam War or a different war kind of setting. They would have been part of this. They would have known the kind of brutality of this kind of nature of how war can t- change a man and things like that. How's Bobby doing? <laughs> and I think there's, uh, yeah, I mean, you've just got over COVID yeah. and I'm just getting over this kind of bug that's going around so i'm trying to mute my mic whenever i feel a cough coming up um <laughs> and that's why i'm drinking so much water whilst we record um but i think there, there was also something very interesting about the the modernization as well um just to skip forward a little bit you know when we're talking about um when we do get the hitchhiker scene i think is it edward neal I think his name is who plays the hitchhiker. Um, yeah. So, because I always thought it was Bill Mosley, you know, um, because Bill Mosley famously plays kind of chop shop in the second one, who was away at Vietnam whilst this is all happening. And, you know, yeah. Bill Mosley's, you know, in a lot of, uh, he has cameos, is, is very fond of the franchise. Um, so, I think one of the things that we get is in that hitchhiker scene, especially um there's two interesting points that come up and one of it is um so is that when uh toby hooper, toby hooper wanted them to go so in depth about the slaughter you know of how we slaughter animals and what are the characters and when they're talking about the head cheese as well which is particularly disgusting um, oh god yeah they he wanted it to yeah he wanted it to not shy away from that because it, for him it was the idea of seeing how something actually happens and seeing the reality of what Vietnam War was like. It wasn't like how it was being, you know, portrayed through kind of propaganda and the US government's kind of idea of going and being a hero. It was a lot about, you know, people dying and a lot of being kind of like an unjust war, really. Um, so he, did, he kind of didn't want to hide away from that. But then I think that's where part of the, the whole message about veganism in this film comes in. Um, which is so, oh, you know, yeah. yeah I mean, the it's film a, itself, it, even if the, o- the opening so of the film stuff. is, yeah, very at the very opening of the film, and it, it's one of the things that I kind of forgot in this film is is the opening. Um, I mean, parts of it is like a, a, a vegan's nightmare because um, it's um, it has these like amazing opening shots of. It has kind of like during the opening, it has like these amazing shots of like the sounds as if it's like Leatherface killing and skinning something. You can hear yeah. like a slicing and like a scraping noises, and straight away that psychological nature of these all these noises are getting into your head, and it, it, it it's all it turns out that it's actually kind of in a very Hannibal esque kind of way again. Ed Gein was another kind of influence of kind of Hannibal Lecter's creation as well. Yeah. It's believed. Um, it, there's this kind of artistic piece we see at the very beginning, which I completely forgot, where it has the bodies 
Whereas if oh, Leatherface that. or someone has laid out the bodies in this very like, um, well, I don't know. It's like he's created his own little statue, his own little model made out of that. human bodies. I, I, I will never it. forget that. Really? I, yeah, it's I because it was there. It, it's because I, so kind of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm vegetarian myself. And part of it was because I, I started to struggle with, kind of my mental health a long time ago you know that um yeah. i don't mind talking about that um and one of the things that i didn't like was i didn't i i couldn't trust what was in food i couldn't trust what was in me you know yeah and part of this whole part of this film did kind of influence that in a way because when the the opening of the film when you see that body which because the, they do talk about you know, this spate of grave robbings which has been happening and p- bits and pieces of it have been, have kind of, have gone missing. And it, you, you open up the body and you see it kind of, de- kind of decaying. And it's been in the hot Texan sun. And it is, it's kind of, they've made this strange artwork out of it. And it just got me thinking, like, I don't, I can't trust what's in me. And the whole pro, the whole idea of me just became really disgusting to me. And I think yeah. that part of the imagery of this film helped. I mean, I think it made um, Gamero del Toro go vegetarian for a while, I think, watching this, <laughs> which is quite... Yeah, I, I um, mean, it's, it's in the way that we see it, it's not not even just people who are against like meat and stuff like that, but it, yeah. it, it does play into your mind. I mean, that very, like, like right in the bit, like as you said, like the, the fruit of the hitchhiking scene. But but just before that, as they're driving along, you know, you've got this talk of things like suicide on the like you hear a news report on the radio. It's got talks of cholera yeah. disease, suicide, loss all linked to Vietnam. And then we go through the slaughterhouse and that kind of sixties rise in animals' rights and hearing yeah. the sound of machinery and you hear all that machinery and the blades and it's it's almost like we're seeing them go past in this truck and it's almost like they are like they are like the animals to the slaughter. It's like foreshadowing yeah. that you are going to become like those slaughterhouse cows. Like, but that those sounds, it doesn't, I don't think it matters what kind of food you tend to eat. It, that scraping and meat and that kind of punch of the gun, it noises that go on in the background, it's so unsettling to begin this film with. You're already unsettled within the first few minutes. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a filthy film, isn't it? You know, filthy. the one thing I always say about this film is it always makes me feel like I need a shower. It always makes <laughs> me feel like I've been there and it's hot and it's grotty and it's just a grimy yeah. ass film. It is some some um, of the scenes we'll get, especially some of the death scenes we we'll get to in a bit. But that those are just oh, like so like cr- skin crawling. Yeah, um, and I mean we so we get. I think if we jump to the hitchhiker scene because we kind of we were starting to touch on that. But yeah, I think when he starts talking about um, how they used to kill them, um, it's very interesting because I think that's where we get another one of these kind of subplots, which is kind of brought in, and it's um, it's about kind of modernization and the kind of shutting down of fact of slaughterhouses and moving more towards kind of mass production of of meat and just mass production of everything in general um yeah it, i mean if if you like 
Britain during the 70s and 80s, they shut down a lot of the mines, the factories and stuff like that. So putting a lot of people out of work. And I'm guessing one of the the kind of the, the subtexts in this film is with the kind of movement towards kind of mass slaughterhouses and more mechanised machinery of it is putting families like this out of business and out of work. And it kind yeah. of leads leads that question of, well, it's it's pretty clear that um, this family worked at a local slaughterhouse, you know, and what they're doing is they're doing it to survive. And it kind of makes me think, well, if that didn't happen, would they be doing this, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get that. The, the idea that the... Um... Uh, industrial, like not industrial revolution, but in that same case, the, the effects that came from that throughout history yeah. has caused these small little towns and businesses to no longer be useful because yeah. everything that they would have made in these small towns are now things that they can just make in big factories and forget about the rest of the little guys. And they're yeah. struggling and they're starving. And and also, it's also that idea that this fam, this family that we get to know wants to kind of reject that kind of modern day kind of ideas, ideals. Yeah. They're very much stuck in the past. The same way we see with, say, with the grandparents and the way that they still follow the grandparent, the granddad. I love the grandparents. They 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 are still looking at the past like that. They're still stuck. They can't move on from the past. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there's a, there's a scene when they drive past the slaughterhouse before they picked up um, the hitchhiker, which is a fantastic performance in itself is so unsettling. Um, and that is when Franklin describes how they used to kill them, you know, when they were to kind of, you know, uh, they'd be squealing, and freaking out and they, you know, they'd have to bash them over the head and drain the blood. And yeah, that is that's what happens or that's what they attempt to do to Sally later on in the film. And it kind of has that horrid kind of nature to it, you know? Yeah. Um, it, the old ways is, is pretty much Leatherface's MO. Yeah. The old ways of, like, slaughtering animals is pretty much what Leatherface does. It's it's a past way. It's not... It's not you, ne- you should never see Leatherface have a gun in his hand, because otherwise that's, that's bringing him completely out of what his style is. He slaughters you like an animal. And that's that's, that's kind it. Of point. And it's strange because the you know that's another thing in this film, which is which is extremely unsettling. Is it's the kind of, and I know we get this in horror films, particularly particularly kind of later, and that's why this film is so groundbreaking because it obviously later when we get to the golden age of slashers, we get high body counts and we get people just get you know getting killed but we don't get we don't seem to get people human beings being treated like animals you know like no. getting clubbed over the head and then dragged away and put onto meat hooks and just left there whilst others are slaughtered you know and it's that whole treat and it can't you watch it and you think fuck how can you treat someone like that and then i think that the i i mean my intention of or my the way in which i think Toby Hooper maybe intended it is you look at it and you go well we why why do we say that you can't treat humans like that but you can treat animals like that you know um the film this film is just has just so much is just so rich with subtext and kind of these political and and these societal ideas this is this is kind of why uh, with, with the new one coming out and with the sequels 
this is a little bit of where a lot of the sequels lost it because they kind of they saw it as a slasher film instead of the yeah. kind of social commentary that this original film is. And although, although, as I said before, there are some of them that I do very much enjoy. Some of them yeah. I enjoy as a slasher film, but I know at the same time that they have nothing on this original because they just don't have the depth that this one has. Yeah, you that's do... it, I think. They struggle to... They struggle to get that it's about... A, it's a family... It's the family dynamic, you know. Um, I know with... Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 when you know Toby Hooper I keep calling him Toby Hooper and I always I always have but when Toby Hooper returned to make that he was kind of a bit I think he was a bit kind of frustrated that people had seen this as just a horror film and had kind of looked over some of the the black comedy in it and some of that stuff because it whilst it is extremely shocking there is some stuff which is quite darkly humorous about it um so that's why the second film does have a bit more of a kind of a black humanist to it but then they kind of like they said it seems to kind of just go away and become a bit more slash films but i think one thing that they kind of they do try and get in is that it's about the family unit you know um and i mean leatherface himself yeah he you know he was very much a I've always thought he was famous. He was more of a prototype for the Jason Voorheeses as opposed to the Michael Myers, you know, because yeah, he does, you know, he does wear this mask, but he's more of a hulking figure and he kind of, you know, he doesn't, he's not about subtlety, you know. Um, yeah. But no, it's I, that he is very, he's kind of a bit of a lackey, you know, yeah, he's a terrifying figure, but he's kind of a lackey to, um, I don't know if he's named Drayton in this, but in the future ones, you know, Drayton Sawyer, the dad, he's kind of a lackey to him. This kind of dysfunctional family unit. I think when they did the, you know, the remake and the beginning, you know, with Arlie Emery, I think they really hit the family unit of that strong. Um, and this kind of strange relationship. Um, yeah, the remake work. I, I, I'm a, I'm a defender of the remake. I always thought oh, it was remake's actually awesome. very good. I think the remake yeah. is quite strong in a different way. No, it can't can never be the original. And yes, it's a bit more, a little bit more like gruesome slasher in some ways, but it doesn't completely lose the point of the film, which I think is important. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of where to jump to next because I just. It, I just, you know, I have a strong love for this film. Um, it's one of these, it's it's a film that I kind of unashamedly will tell people to watch. And I think there's a lot of things within it that even though I, I prob- I'll probably watch every couple of years, um, yeah. the same, I'll, you know, I find that most of the Texas Chainsaw films are really easy to watch. Um, and whilst they're not all winners, they're easy to watch. Um but I always find that I forget that just how little music is actually in this film, you know? Yeah. It's, and it, this it's is more noises and sounds and things like that. that appears. Yeah, there's no sound for a long time. And then if there is, it normally tends to be using the sound like the chainsaw sound or the yeah. the sound of the, the blades and the sounds of things slicing and things like that instead of or just natural sounds instead of actual yeah. music and i mean obviously i mean this is four years before um 
you know, John Carpenter's Halloween, which had an incredible kind of synth soundtrack and almost became um, became the the blueprint for slasher films. You know, have a synth soundtrack, have this kind, you know, have something like that. But this is also after um, this is so fourteen years after Psycho, and Psycho obviously. Um, had a very famous you know soundtrack as well and i had a, yeah. and, and and that beautiful score you know when um when with the murder in the in the shower and a it's lot of Mar- yeah, like, when marion's driving down the road like you get this kind of yeah building and flowing kind of music it's yeah which is Whereas, reused so many times. Yeah, yeah the re, you know, it's so it's reused, like you said, it's it's, it's referenced so much. And it's a bit it's iconic. But this film, I always forget that there isn't any soundtrack. And I think part yeah. of that just adds to the whole horrendousness of it. Um, I mean, if we're if we're talking, I know you mentioned this, um, because the the film doesn't have an overwhelming amount of story. That's one thing about it. It's not as if there's a huge story. I think the the hardesties are on the way to the to check on. I think if I remember correctly, they're on the way to check um, that the grandparents' grave hasn't been robbed or something like that, um, or the or they've inherited the house. I can't remember quite exactly why they're going there. That's one thing that all, that I always forget. It's, I can watch this film and then. 10 minutes later forget why they're actually going yeah but it I was to granddad's I, grave because there's a that weird scene with all of the like texas blokes ha- hanging around the grave saying yeah he's over there and like they're, they're and one of the the guys is kind of he's kind of talking in this weird way about death and murder and like yeah. how people all die and how you've got no you know he, he's kind of a foreshadowing warning um yeah you've got all of that kind of going on at the same time but that is very quickly glossed over. It's very much yeah. like, oh, our car, we haven't got petrol. Let's, we need to turn no, into then, this place to check. And After then the they see, obviously, hitchhiker. they see, yeah, then they obviously see Drayton, um, who kind of tells them, oh, no, you don't need to go into that house and, you know, just stay away from that place. And he's kind of there. So I always forget that that scene happens because it is kind of, it's such a throwaway scene that later, comes to play when you realize that obviously the hitchhikers marked the van it's all kind of yeah one of the things i forgot about was the marking of the van that he's marked it and the other thing is the other interesting thing i noticed is that you've got someone literally we don't see this other person again as if he's so i don't really know how because um is drayton the gas station owner as in part of the family we like, is that yeah. I, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I forgot his name um but we he has someone who works for him and that person is cleaning the van He's cleaning mm. the van as they're at the gas station. If you notice, he only stays to, he does the front and he does one side, but he doesn't go anywhere yeah, near he does, the marking. He, he, you see a second where he almost goes and walk, he kind of walks away from it like he knows what that is and that he, he shouldn't touch it kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Which I just thought it's it was an strange. interesting little moment that I kind of noticed. Um, I, another thing I think we did mention at the beginning and with all of that is that as much as this is going to be a view and, and it's a very strange opening crawl, this is very much, I think the music plays into this as well is this is very much played as if it's meant to be like a documentary. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's meant to like that, that opening crawl is the same way that they used to inter- introduce like crime documentaries in the like sixties and seventies. So they used yeah, to have little, they used to have little opening like that would sometimes introduce them because it was, 
it was kind of like a warning to audiences that you may not want to stay in the room for this kind of thing. You may oh. want to change the channel and um, or like once that they're released. So it like and the lack of unlike nowadays when documentaries normally will have I don't know a Coldplay song to get you crying halfway through. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, um, they, again, it was all very cold and calculated. So either like a documentary or like literal police reports where they used to record yeah. police reports and it used to be done in this very way. They do it in the remake does it even more so where they have the filming and yeah. the video and stuff. Um, but I think that was the intention is it's meant to come across like a cold and calculated police report kind of thing. Um, and of course on that, they wouldn't have any music because you're just following the shots around you. Um, yeah. Like, I guess I never considered that. So like the shots around you but the thing i always uh, there are certain shots again that feel very documentary the way that they kind of focus like this film focuses on so many of our fears i think in a lot of ways of, of things that could happen yeah. to us getting lost being in the dark being chased a hitchhiker turning out to be an actual <laughs> insane maniac <laughs> or just yeah as we've already mentioned about things from the past that could come back the war the ptsd all that kind of thing um but there are certain shots like i really love um when they first get to the abandoned house not the main house but the abandoned house you know when they're yeah. pretty much we're gonna have to stop here and we're gonna have to see if we can talk to someone to get you know um and they're going around this abandoned house and um i think it's pam who's constantly laughing which i gotta be honest really grated on me like she's got yeah. a really annoying laugh because she just kept <laughs> laughing constantly laughing you could tell franklin the invalid apparently the in- yeah the invalid. <laughs> according that to them when, yeah when that happens i'm always like <laughs> yeah invalid, all right. like, you know, this is a 70s film yeah you know they might as well have just said you know it's like if, like it's like uh, in america retard was fine from like literally until like only like not that long ago people could still get yeah. away with saying retard it's like if it opened and said franklin the retard i was like it is what? it's always like it, yeah you go like Ooh. it's one of yeah. those things like yeah there was, a, there was a film that mentioned that it, it literally said like so and so the retard and I and I watched it not that long ago. I try and remember what it is, and I was like, okay, this is <laughs> this is not aged well, you know. Yeah, no. um, but yeah, ca- carry on. Um, yeah, so you've got her laughing, and, and Franklin's kind of he's being his whiny self because he's a very whiny character. Um, yeah. who's not really played up as the best example of it's it's nice that they've been, like it's it's good that they're kind of trying to add in, I guess, like a character. But I'm assuming the actor probably isn't. I don't actually know if it's there, but I'm assuming no, the actor is not. I don't know not. if he is. Um, yeah, I don't but, know if he is. But they, they definitely don't portray someone who is, you know, disabled in that way because they just play them as him as a whiny, moaning character throughout most of the yeah. film. He's in it. He, he's a very hated character in a lot of horror communities. They kind of hate that character. Um, yeah. But anyway, back to my point, the unsettling nature there's this one bit when they close up on a, a spider's hatching eggs. There's the spider mm, yeah. in the corner of one of the room and it's hatching and you can literally see the, the spiders hatching from their eggs. And the only sound you get is literally, it sounds as if like spiders are crawling around. That's the only noise you get. Um, and, and I just like, so it's just like, it's another scene that just unsettles you. We haven't had an unsettling scene for about five minutes. Let's add another something that will unsettle another person's fear in this film. Yeah. But it's also even you mentioned that makes it cringe. Yeah, even you mentioned it. 
yeah, I know it, it, it's it's horrible, but it's it's that's someone's deepest fear, and this this film probably touches on most people's major deepest fears of what could come true in this film. But, but again, because it's shown in such a kind of, I think, in that kind of artsy like documentary, like it hangs onto it as if we're watching like a nature program for a second. Um, it it suddenly becomes more real in your head. You've not got that score going over the top of your head. You haven't got a score in the film that's making you be like, oh, something's about to happen. No. Yeah. And, and it that's what makes it feel real, <laughs> that it's suddenly just like, oh, here's Leatherface, bang, he's gone. But because there's no music that's hyping it up or building or building up or down, you're suddenly like really like, oh, oh, sh like, did that just happen? What happened? Like your brain can't almost focus it because you haven't been prepared for it. Well, I, I mean, the case in point, and I think you mentioned it in our very first episode, um, one of your top horror moments is in this film. And it's like you said, it's when um, I think it's Kirk goes into the house um, yeah, for the yeah. first time. And he, you know, he kind of looks around. And you see, you see the the kind of metal shutter door, and and like you said, there's no score there. And when you, and like, you know, movie scores are so beautifully done, but they set the they set the tone for what's going to happen. And you know, you can ride it, and it does. You it it tells you something's going to happen. And we don't get that. We just get Kurt looking around this house. Then all of a sudden, it's the like door a gets pulled open. Yeah. I mean, the point. door gets pulled open. Yeah, yeah. And it just—it's just a set that. And again, it—it's it, the natural. It's natural sounds like the sound of the metal door is what yeah. embeds in your head. The sound of the hammer and the thud is what gets in your head. Instead of the score drowning that out, you literally can so clear. That's the only sounds you're hearing. So it's like and this body shaking as well, you know. Oh yeah, that bit's yeah. So as Kirk kind of makes his way to that house. You had that weird bit with the tooth in the door, where the yeah. teeth fall out in the door that he, he gives to um who's oh Pam. He's Pam? Pam. Yeah. yeah. And um yeah, but that moment is just so like sudden, like Pam's outside the door and it's so quick, just that shutter open. And here it is. Finally we see the 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 murderer, the killer of the film. And it's just it's just a whack. And then his body, but that's again the realism there is the fact that he's com convulsing and shaking makes it feel oh. so much worse. It, it does, makes you it. feel worse. And then obviously we, he gets he, dragged he, away. He has a couple more bashes. I forgot that he bashes his head in a couple more times to make him stop moving. Yeah. So he gives but him a few more bashes just till he stops. And Leatherface at this point, we only hear kind of snorts or squeals. That's kind of the yeah. noises we get from him. Yeah, he just makes these kind of grunts and animal-like noises, doesn't he? Um, yeah. And then, obviously, he gets dragged away and kind of very quickly, then Pam goes and has a, tries to look what's going on. Um, yeah, that I, scene where Pam's looking around the house. and That's the scene I, I mentioned all the way back in our first kind of episode, because it's kind of like... Yeah. Um, it's like... You know, with Leatherface, the, the, like the interest as part of that, like with Leatherface, the interesting thing is that you you don't really get time to kind of understand what the hell's just happening. I feel like in your mind, it's so quick, and you don't get a great shot of Leatherface in a lot of ways because the scene happens so quickly that it's like you're still trying to work out in your head. You're still shocked in your head and trying to work out what happens. 
that yeah i i almost i almost still wasn't paying attention as pam was entering the house so my mind only really clicked back in when she walks into that room and the room is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it's this... the room with all the feathers in and the fucking bones, and it just yeah. made me feel so horrible. Like this was uh, the, the Blaze like story there. I told, the Blaze story yeah. all that time ago, where it like he literally like it's the only scene I'd ever shown our friend, and he literally like saw that, and he said he had nightmares for like two weeks after, but he only saw this part of the scene. He didn't actually. I don't even know if he saw Leatherface. He just saw. The bones and the the the, <laughs> the, the, bo- the bone like bench and the yeah. parts of teeth and skull and chickens and all and some what looks like some dried blood and dust as well just normal. This is literally like an someone with OCD. This is their this is their nightmare. This Show them nightmare. this. Show them this, and they'll literally never leave the house again. They will lock themselves in a white room and keep like <laughs> moisturizing their skin, anti-backing their whole skin, because this will yeah. literally just end. This will end their life, and the silence. Yeah, will when, be quick. <laughs> when I watched it, I was I literally felt like I had to be like uh, Frank Reynolds, and I had to shave all my hair off and just cover myself in anti-back <laughs> yeah. and be like, I just want to be pure. You know, it's so hot, man. Because it, it is. It's like, but yeah, again, there's. There's, there's no gore in, you know, in uh, it's just disgusting imagery, you know. Yeah. It's, but like, it's like that parts bench. of jaws and stuff that you see, like partially yeah. broken jaws, like you can see bones, and you're like, that looks like a human's between an animal. But then you're like, is that a human's? Is that a human tooth? Is that a human's like jawline where you've got part of a skull and part of a jaw, and then the other half of it looks like it's been smashed to bits? It's yeah. Just like, well, the- the bench as well. The bench is kind of, it looks like a person, but it looks like it's been kind of, the bones have been f- like flayed, elongated and, you know, yeah. made up in all these weird ways. The bench is fucking horrid, man. I couldn't imagine anybody like wanting to sit on that. Yeah, so you're, or- you're already disgusted and then she kind of falls over and slides through the feathers in the grime yeah. and you can see it on her fingers and you can see she's like frozen in shock. She's completely just like stuck. And at that very point when she's frozen and stuck, that's when behind her is Leatherface. He comes back <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and this leads to one of the, because he, again, it's like an animal, but he's also partially like an animal because he, he squeals and makes screaming noises at her. He doesn't really, he doesn't talk. He, he just squeals no. and makes screaming noises. I mean, Gunnar Hansen's performance is fucking physically is fantastic in this film. Yeah. And that's it. I know um, kind of with, with the, with the later kind of Texas Chainsaw Massacres, um, I think it was Andrew, um, I can, I can never remember his name. Andrew uh, Brianowski, Brian Brian Brianowski, um, who kind of, I mean, I think he's great as Leatherface as well. Um, but and he probably kickstarted this trend of reboots where we get really hulking people, like you know the Leatherface in that. Is 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 it's bigger and it's more physically imposing than Gunnar Hansen. Um, and then obviously we got Tyler Maine as um, Michael Myers, and then um, yeah. you know that Jason Voorhees got got hench as well. Um, <laughs> but and Gunnar Hansen was a big guy. I think he was six foot one maybe. And then they had they had they had to wear heeled boots, so he was even taller. Um, 
And he whilst wasn't so he's much kind of, muscular as he was, he's 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 more of a bigger guy, a, like not muscular. He's a portly guy. boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's also it's this that's something that people didn't as much bring to the later ones. It doesn't the second one, uh, but in this one, he is kind of very animal-like, isn't he? You know, he doesn't. He kind of squeals and he kind of makes all these weird noises, and it does. It feels. It doesn't feel like you're being chased by a human. It's kind no. of very strange. And then you get the iconic scene where she's running, you know, Pam's running out of the house. And then as she gets out of the door, you think, fuck, she's safe. And yeah. then Leatherface grabs her, you know, without a care in the world as well, and just drags her back in. And then when he puts her on the hook, I always remembered this because I, I probably, yeah. I watched this film. I think I watched the remake first, to be honest. Um, and then I went back and I watched the original. Um, and I always, so I, I was quite young, um, but I always remember seeing the hook go into the skin, you know? Oh, yeah, it's, it's such that. an amazing effect. It, but you don't, you know? No, no, you don't. It's her, the drop. Yeah. yeah. It's the drop and it's the reaction. And then you see her struggling, like, yeah. Yeah, and then, it, it, it's it's just, it's, oh. it, it's, it, it's odd to me because the hook is what actually sticks in my mind in this film. Although, say in the remake, when the chainsaw is used to quite a lot of effect to kind of slice someone in half, in in yeah. this one, um, in this one, I'd almost say that the hook in my mind stuck with me more in this original film than the chainsaw does. Outside of that ending iconic shot of him with the chainsaw, um, I, I remember the hook as having more of an effect in my mind because I was like, holy shit, she's there. She's struggling so much on, like, as you would be. It's not just yeah. going to be like, yeah. it's like one part of you. I mean, like, but but she's there. Like, I think it's one of the greatest secrets in horror is just that Leatherface yeah. goes, at, um, goes at Kirk, like literally slicing up Kirk. Um, with, with, the, the, with the chainsaw. While the she's watched. Yeah, yeah, but, but at the same time, she, I'm not even sure if she is fully aware it, it, it's Kirk or what's going on because I think the the pain and the shock of everything that's happening, she's just like you see her like looking from side to side. Of I'm not sure she's even able to take in what the fuck is happening right now because she's just. But that's it. That's this horrendousness, and yet again, it it goes back to you know this idea of treating people like animals and livestock and cattle you know and it's just and this complete disregard for humanity when that yeah. scene i was when i rewatched it i was literally like oh fucking hell because he you know he hooks her and then as soon as he knows she's not getting away he doesn't care about her screams or anything like that he just fires at the chainsaw and he just goes to kirk's body and he yeah. just starts you know chopping him up and she's watching it's, and it's like oh the brutality horrendous. that's what makes a difference the brutality yes we might not see a lot of blood and stuff but this is a properly like kind of brutal sadistic kind of death murders yeah. kind of thing like you, you feel them more than a lot of horror films i think in this one um and and to be fair it's, it's really not that long apart from him saying um is it nubbins <laughs> something like that his name nubbins is i've got the, the guy with the the guy more like the glasses and who was driving the car. I believe his name was down as Nubbins. I, I have it. Uh, that's what I have in my notes. So I'm going to go with Nubbins. I don't. Someone I don't might be like Nubbins. <laughs> I've got I, Nubbins. <laughs> as if it's a nickname. <laughs> I don't know. But it says uh, Nubbins. Yes, Nubbins. Yeah, Nubbins. Nubbins. Um, 
he kind of just goes off. Jerry. Jerry Nubbins, is it? Jerry. I don't think, I don't think it's ever Where mentioned that. <laughs> Nubbins. I swear I looked on some cast list and it said Nubbins. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Nubbins. Maybe. Well, it, well Nubbins. Jerry, or as I'm going to call him, Nubbins. Nubbins. <laughs> from now on. Um, anyway, Jerry, or his death comes very... Nubbins might be a different character. I don't know. <laughs> or it might be completely made up in my mind. Um, I think you've just made up Nubbins. I don't know where it's... I definitely saw it listed somewhere. Uh, anyway, um, it, it's Jerry. That's <laughs> so fucking weird. Um, yeah. But uh, it, it's really not much time. Like, he literally just goes off, I'm going to go off and investigate. It takes no time at all for him to be in the house and we basically get the next death. Um, yeah. Although, again, and his, again, his is a hammer. and But his has got... He's got that... He's got, like, a high-pitched kind of scream... He does, doesn't he? ...as it comes down... Um, just at, and well, he'd opened the he'd opened the freezer with Pam coming coming back to life and jumping out of the freezer. Yeah. Um, before in comes Leatherface, scream, whack, and they, and then he pushes Pam screaming back into the freezer, and it just it just happens in such a again just such a quick, like what the fuck, <laughs> like you know you know he'd ended up in the basement. Like in, through that door, so it was never going to end up well. But no. it was—it's still like what the fuck. But the thing I like about this scene is that what we follow is we get the first kind of—we um, almost see a bit of—we get a scene where we just the first time we actually follow Leatherface, not any of the other characters. We follow Leatherface back into the house, and he kind yeah. of sit—he sits down. He looks by the window as if he's looking out. And he kind of sits down, and we get this weird kind of showing of vulnerability. Of Leatherface. Yeah, it's really, it's strange, isn't it? We get like a, as if he's worried that uh, someone will see, or he isn't doing something that he's meant to be doing. You know, like yeah. he's that scared that he's not following it. Um, he, he's not like, he isn't actually shown as like the emotionless killing machine in, in this scene, as say Michael or Jason are. Like, no, like he's got this kind of vulnerability in this scene, which again is not something they really touch on in any of the other films. But there's this weird, as if he's more like a a child who's being told to do things, and now he's got to the point where he's done this and he's worried that it's or or in some kind of weird, like, um, he's protecting his home, like the most twisted home alone. Well, second most twisted home alone, go and find our home alone episode. (laughs) But but he's like worried what someone will do or what his family will do if they see. And he thinks this is where, like, I think this is, again, this is where I think that one of the sequels could have picked up on this and maybe made a better sequel if they'd built into more of this kind of, they built into the family, but more of the, more of the, more of the leather face and the vulnerability and that animal part well, of him, I think is they interesting. Do a little bit. Um, so in the second one, it's, it's, they do play into that a little bit more. Um, that his kind of naivety or his kind of, yeah, they do. I kind of want to say child. He protects like, other, uh, doesn't he? He protects, yeah, the, he protects the final girl in a, in a lot of the film, doesn't he? Yeah. And then, it, yeah. I mean, I watched Texas Chainsaw 3D, um, which is, I mean, I know it was panned when it came out, but I've always been a fan of it because it's this, you know, two thirds of it is this slasher film. And then the last third, Leatherface becomes this kind of 
protector and this strange kind of has this strange bond with the the main character because she's related to him and then she becomes his caretaker is that the alexandra Diderio? yeah 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 i remember watching that i didn't i remember not i didn't mind that one as i hadn't liked after the remake i hadn't liked the was it the beginning i wasn't as keen on but i liked i think i liked that one (laughs) i liked the beginning um but then i mean it's just this yeah, they you know when they they look they play into this idea of you know Leatherface as more of a lackey to the family, more doing it because he he's protecting his family and he doesn't know the he doesn't kind of know what he's doing, but he he's kind of conflicted about that. I think that when they do it that way, it's really interesting. Um, and. I, I, there was this theory that I found online that was really interesting. Um, and it's that we never see, um, I mean, we, we see Leatherface's teeth, which we know are kind of fucked, but we never see Leatherface's face, his actual, you know, human face under the mask. And it's always assumed that he, you know, he suffers some kind of deformity or something like that. But it, this theory online was like, what if he's just like a regular looking dude? You know, and he doesn't have anything like that. He just yeah. does the. He just wears these faces for whatever reason, you know. And it was it always kind of struck me as interesting that you know, um, but that's kind of a little side side away, um, <laughs> because the film itself isn't actually that long. I think it's like an hour and twenty minutes or something like that, maybe even less. Um, because yeah, it, shortly after that, it's not, a lot it, of them aren't actually very long. I was surprised at how short it was. Yeah, literally like an hour and twenty-seven minutes or something like that. I think. Yeah, like the running time. Um, it yeah, it, it was quite interesting. But then I, I guess that it, it it's actually worked well for this film because, as we said, uh, because there's not a whole lot like to the story in a in a good way. I think I think it works well for this film that it doesn't overbear with too much story to it because it yeah it kind of has a slow build which can't be that slow because of the running time but it feels a little bit slow but then it's quite quick between each character then kind of death kind of thing. That part yeah. kind of comes quick to then leave enough time for the fucked up psychological ending kind of thing. Yeah. Um and that's it because it it does happen quite quickly. I mean, I'm sure after this scene, it very quickly goes to night, doesn't it? Um, yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, because and Franklin, uh, by the time Sally they come back, they... yeah. Sorry, not by the time they come back, but by the time we go back to Franklin and um, Franklin and Sally, who are like by the the truck, it's literally just turning kind of uh, to dusk kind of thing, or whatever it is yeah. <laughs> and, and then Franklin's I mean Franklin's death itself is 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 yeah again incredible it's one that I remember being a lot more gory than it was but it's just that you know shot of her of them going through the woods um and her kind of cat you know wheeling Franklin around and then they hit they're like oh what what is that do you hear something and then they there kind of the... the torch the torch turns around and just lever face there with the with the chainsaw and he just starts going at Franklin, you know. It's, yeah. It's just such an incredible moment. Yeah, again, it's kind of it's very visceral, but you don't see anything, you know, it's all from no, you the can't. behind. It's from behind and you don't see I you remember in your head's blood. 
I like yeah. remember the first time. Um, not this time. I remembered it wasn't like that when I watched this time. But when I'd watched previously, when I hadn't seen it in a long time since I was like a like teenager, um, I remembered thinking, "Oh, that scene was so like graphic where he gets killed in the wheelchair." And I was like, "Oh shit, no, <laughs> there's nothing." Yeah, <laughs> we yeah, just kind of sense. moving about and a bit of screaming, and that's about it. But it's good. Like, that's what makes it sound like it's not good. It's good. Um, yeah, and, that, and we're following with that suspenseful chase with the chainsaw. Um, going through that's all you can them. hear and yeah. all you can hear is the chainsaw and the screaming yeah again it's kind of one of those things where you think this would be perfect to place a score but because there isn't and because you just have the buzz of the chainsaw which I mean is a horrid sound you know yeah um, and well, she just goes, this she goes to the house and then yeah. gets chased through and then comes back out and then gets chased through some more kind of foresty area to then make it to the, um, she sees. Oh, she goes. She goes up because she sees the 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 very um, psycho esque, like a granddad and grandmother anyway, yeah. in the chairs, like they're like rotted, like kind of corpse of their like awesome. body kind of thing. Um, and she sees that, and then she escapes through like the top window, doesn't she? And goes down and kind of escapes that way. Um, yeah, and she incredible. makes all the way to the barbecue. I mean, it it, it works well. We get a lot of that. Um, I remember for me thinking, I, I do remember as one little critique, I did, even though, again, it's not a long running time, I felt like the chase went on a bit long. I, I did lose but, a little bit of a momentum. I felt I lost suspense after a while because I was like, oh, we're still going. <laughs> like, you're in the I house think it's, and then you're back out and then you're, you know. I think it's because it doesn't have a soundtrack that it feels longer than it is. It is quite a long chase scene. Um, yeah. But I think because there's no soundtrack back you get, all you hear is her screaming and the chainsaw. It is like fucking hell. This is going on for a while. But like yeah. you said, it kind of it adds something to it. And then obviously Sally just chucking herself just through a window. Yeah. It's just such a classic, you know. Well, she it, loves doing it. It's these sound effects. So is is what makes it work so well is the fact that all you're really hearing is screams and a chainsaw. All you're hearing is the breaking glass and still in the distance you can hear this, the murmur of the chainsaw coming, like it's literally coming at you kind of thing. Um, all of yeah. these sound effects in the, in this part of it have played so well. And, and weirdly, I think the best one for me is when she actually gets into the, the, the gas station um, and she sat there and obviously she thinks she's safe and we get this spitting and bur and bubbling sound of the the fire pit where you're like you don't yeah. know what you don't know what that meat is that's cooking on that barbecue. Um, Fucking grim, man. Yeah, but I don't know. She was just sat there and she's so like so like in shock and broken. And the fact that all you're really hearing in terms of sound effects is this like spitting, bubbling, and it sounds like it's getting stronger and stronger, like the spitting, as if the tension in the room is getting stronger as well. Yeah, like it's getting hotter and hotter. Um, yeah, I really like I really like that part of the scene. Um, but again, this is the, again the only other one I have a critique is it, it does kind of annoy me that when um, I forgot his name again, what's his name? D. Da... Drayton. Drayton. When Drayton, yeah, I mean this is, he's comes just back the in, cook. Is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. So the cook, the cook, who I've always also seen as more like I don't know either the older brother or the father figure to the like in a way because these yeah the older I think one. he's the father. He's the father figure. Yeah, but it's kind of, it gets hard to tell sometimes because the way he acts is like, sometimes it's authoritative, sometimes it's like a weird, just like, 
like he's out of control completely at the same time. It's an odd like yeah. family dynamic, of course. Um, That's it, yeah. But the one, yeah, the only thing that does annoy me is that she has a knife. And she's beaten by a swipe of a broom. <laughs> yeah, I know she's. Yeah. In, I know she's in shock, but it still is like she has the knife, and he just like hits her twice with the broom, like a. And it didn't even look like a hard hit. It's just like a quick like, oi, oi. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's like you're trying to shoo away an animal or something. But yeah. the fact that she like within two swipes, like she's kind of fallen and drops the knife, and it's like. Okay, I feel like more of a struggle was needed in that scene. <laughs> These are literally like, like that is literally like one of my only things in this in this whole film where I literally had like so negative to say was just that like that bit's the only part that really took me out for a second of the film and the tenseness was like really you've just been bro- beaten by a broom, <laughs> yeah. not even like a hard broom like a, a wooden with like hair like with like straw ends yeah kind of thing. <laughs> like a broom that like an 18th century peasant would use yeah no but yeah that, that that's what i mean so um yeah and then we get the the psycho family of inbreds <laughs> we get them all yeah, together around the yeah, table again, incredible you know this, this scene is, is the psychologically is the one scene that always sticks in my brain is the really one that's like like oh, yeah. really just gets into your mind. Uh, Leatherface has changed into more of a slight, or at least done up his face to be more female cross-dressing again, which yeah. is so kind of, for it's such an unusual theme for the time. This film touches yeah. on like things with sexuality and gender and disability and uh, 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 more like, it was a more accepting time, obviously, after Vietnam and 60s and stuff like that. But still, in the South, no, <laughs> not a fucking yeah, chance in hell. Not. In South America, was this uh, scene that would be accepting of the time? You know, this is, they wouldn't accept any, they were still very much in more of the 50s era. Like, the South is always, seems to always, not everyone, but yeah. a lot of the South always seems to be a bit behind on the times. They always seem yeah. to run like, <laughs> and like, it's accepted, to, like they were still in much more of a non-conformist kind of behaviour, kind of 50s housewife, working husband kind of, your yeah. gender is male, female, and your your the person you have sex with is male, female, different gender only yeah you know what i mean and then yeah. here you have a film where they're literally going on about inbred um trans like almost like a trans like different sexualities different disabilities different but ways of mind it's so ahead of its time in that way but then again i think part part of it because it's so unexplored like we yeah like, these themes are there we see leatherface obviously you know, in his evening, evening wear, but it, none of it is explained, no. and I think that is part of the horror of it is kind of impl- it's the implication that this is something they've been doing for a long time. You know, Leatherface yeah, does this. I think for a, a lot, lot of people, especially in the seventies, a lot of people watching this, they would have been made uncomfortable just by the fact of what the fuck is like, just by the look of them, the fact that they don't seem to think that this is unusual. They don't yeah. think the way that uh, Leatherface is dressed as unusual. They don't think the way the family acts or the, the skeleton bones as decoration around the room or the, yeah. the, the, uh, the, the skin lampshade. 
yeah. it's right in the middle <laughs> as it's right behind your head that i can see on our video part of the, yeah you've got a picture and it's the uh you've literally oh, got like a, there as well a, a skinned out face and grandpa behind you yeah <laughs> their centerpiece is a skull <laughs> yeah I, I mean i grandpa himself is hilarious for me like i i could see the black comedy in grandpa you know and it's the the tradition and tradition going through the family when they're like well grandpa's the oldest so let grandpa you know kill yeah and he's they try and give him the hammer and he kind of his hand just goes down and the whole time i was i could yeah grandpa dead but then when he's fed blood it's like he's sucking on the blood so it's like what the fuck is going on i had the exact same thought i was like is he alive is he partially alive Is yeah. he is, is he dead? Is he being used like a puppet? Like in the sequel, he's kind of a, used like a puppet. <laughs> yeah, the sequel, I, um, you know, he's dead. He's fucked. But in this he's one, like, I'm like, yeah, I don't know dead. what effect. Like, he's not able to even hold it. Um, although, oh, that scene is sickening purely because the, you see the hammer hit the back of her head. And as it comes away, you do see a bloody indent on her head. Yeah. And yeah. that's the part that made me most sick. It was just the fact that you see the hammer and you just see the way that a person's skull could just basically, there you go, as if he's hitting like yeah. a bit of, as if you're hitting some, I don't know, like a, a doe or something like that. Just eh, indents left in your head. Like, yeah, I was just so like, and, and by the way, this is on top of a whole scene where they are laughing at her and she is screaming and we get close-ups of her eyes. And we also get like, I think it's Leatherface, but we get like pig hog sounds <laughs> screaming <Yeah>. out. Um, <laughs> but it's those close-ups on her reactions, her eye. You get close-up on her eyeballs. You get close-up on her mouth, her teeth. Her, her body is shaking, her screaming. And at the same oh. time, they're, they're going between screaming and laughing. And just, you're so like, what the fuck is going on? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's so hot. Um and, oh, and then, and then just, she manages yeah. to escape and she's horrific and she starts getting horrific like this is another thing she, I, I forgot that she gets like um what what is the brother's name i forgot i forgot i keep forgetting the family we don't ever find out his name do we it's not just, i didn't think we did no he's just like so it's just a hitchhiker or yeah hitchhiker yeah um, but, but who's implied to be like the brother or some kind yeah. of relation um and he's, well, he says because he says my my brother and I, I, yeah. I think early in the film when he's talking about the slaughterhouse, he's saying that him and his brother used to work there. Um, and I'm assuming that the brother is is Leatherface because at this time, um, I don't think Chop Top was about you know uh, Bill Mosley in the, in the sequel. Um, yeah. So I, I'm assuming that he he's on about Leatherface working there, the whole family working there, because all the they don't have names in this film. All they're referred by is Leatherface, um, the Hitchhiker, Hitchhiker, and the Cook. Which just to have a name, the Cook, is fucking grim, you know? Yeah, it's it's yeah. Again, it's part of the film that makes you uneasy is that you don't really get answers and you don't really know anything about how this family works. No, you get this small short. This table is the most real insight you get into how this family's mind works, and in between that you've got screaming and shouting and so you're just your mind can't even really focus half the time on what is going on um and uh, yeah so as i said about the, the the brother but i forgot that the brother gets his blade and he's just slicing her up yeah. she's running away he's like he's stabbing and slicing her and she's getting properly yeah. cut up more than i remembered 
and we get this kind of we get you know um obviously Leatherface is a bit behind you know he's coming but he's his brother's there first and his brother yeah. gets just his brother just gets completely taken out by the uh by that truck, by the truck yeah flattened out you know um uh and and we have like we have a black like the black truck driver comes out. I don't know he's just truck driver probably, but um, yeah, I think he is just referred as truck driver. I love the fact that he literally just quickly just like kind of lobs and gonks Leatherface on the head with the yeah, wrench. and, <laughs> and then Leatherface leg cuts cut. his leg. Yeah, oh. and you you do see like the slice appear and like almost as if it was like oozing like meat oozing out. Um, yeah, and yeah, it's it's weird. We like you get all of this like final constant 20 minutes of this screaming and uncomfortable noises and and suddenly it, it, it just kind of stops with this strange kind of like cut kettle drum kind of noises over the like over like the credits as we've had this like leather face spinning the chainsaw in an iconic shot you know and you know with Sally, Sally just, oh. she got away on the on the but back she's of the laughing truck. and she's crying and oh she's just completely and it, it's so weird but I do find that like one of the things that most impacts is you get all of this sudden action of like the car, the truck, the 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 four by four or something kind of spinning in to kind of escape this chainsaw maniac. You get Leatherface slicing the side. You get this sudden like action that happens in these last yeah. few minutes, in between all of this screaming and odd stuff, and the fact that it then just stops, blank. Yeah. It just, it's like your brains can't quite commute. Like, what the fuck is going on? What has just happened to you? You get your yeah. own kind of, you get your own kind of um, mental scar just left in your brain. Like, wait, what? What happened? Yeah, what, just, what's going on? Why have I just seen? Like, what's happening here? That's it. It just ends. Like, I always forget that it just ends because I expect there to be an ending crawl saying how she survived or, you know, I expect there to be something, but. It just ends, and it's like, yeah, because okay, the, the, you the know, opening scroll kind of made you believe that everyone was going to die, because the way the opening yeah. scroll describes it makes you think that they're all tragic figures, kind of thing. But you know, so you're like, oh, she got away, but yeah, you're you're expecting a little bit more information, and and you don't get it for this film, which is just, I mean, this film is just as I said, like you've even got, I know the black truck driver is not really a major part, but again. It's another little bit of social commentary that for a second you almost get like a black savior. He doesn't, yeah. Because I, I always forget that the guy he he runs off. We don't hear, we don't know anything about. He just keeps on running. <laughs> yeah, I always thought like I always wonder what happens to him. Like, yeah, I, he's, just, he's like, gone. Does he get killed? Does he get yeah. killed? Like, well, Leatherface doesn't keep chasing him. He just spins. So. Yeah, um, so I'm just like, so he's just gone. Yeah. He's like, he's like, fuck this! I am waiting for the white bitch. I'm going. You know, what I mean? yeah. It's just like, oh. I love it. But like, I, I love it. I forgot. Like, I forgot that you don't see anything of what actually happened. Like, I, I couldn't remember if he died or anything. But he just runs. We just don't. He's like, yeah. fuck my, fuck my truck, fuck this bitch. I'm gone. Fuck everything. I'm gone. Fuck it. Which like, he would be. You'd be like, yeah, I'm going. That guy's got a fucking chainsaw. I ain't fucking hanging around. <laughs> um, but again, that like. Anyway, for a second, that kind of black savior kind of figure was like, uh, again, seventies in southern America. Fuck off! Is that kind of like they wouldn't see that as an acceptable thing? A lot of places they they were still kind of splitting things up in parts of South, uh, South yeah. America at that point. Yeah, they were. Weren't they? So there's still that apartheid go, like kind of effect kind of going on. 
<laughs> yes, or segregation. It's kind yeah. of yeah, and it is. It's such like a, it's such a strange film in itself. Um, and I know I told you I found some interesting stuff out about mm. it, um, and I looked into it because I was kind of, I I just I read something that it was linked to um, organized crime. Um, and it's, it turns out that the, that Brinston uh, Distribution Company, or sometimes known as Brinston Distributors or Brinston Pictures, um, they, because they couldn't find anywhere to put this film out, nobody would touch it. Nobody would distribute it or do anything like that. However, um, Brinston Pictures, which was set up uh, by... Uh, and I'm going to slaughter some names now as well. Um, <laughs> Anthony per Perino, Lou Perino, and um, Joseph Perino, um, who were all three members of the Colombo crime family, which uh, was a, was one of the five families in New York. Um, they set this production company up, um, and the first the company's first title, um, which was set up as a money laundering. Uh, scheme was deep front um which had oh, a twenty-two thousand yeah. <laughs> budget and then went on to generate 30 to 50 million um but some also notable releases of them was uh the party at Ki uh, kitty and studs in 1970 which is the porn film that sylvester stallone was in um <laughs> Flesh of Flesh for Frankenstein, which is which was a film that was was put together um, with Andy Warhol. Um, Dark Star, which was obviously John Carpenter's um, film. Yeah. Um, Return of the Dragon with Bruce Lee before obviously um, Enter the Dragon, and then the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, and apparently, you know, they got absolutely destroyed in the distribution of it. Um, so they kind of agreed, uh, Lou Perino uh, agreed to distribute the Texas Chainsaw Massacre worldwide. Um, and production manager Ron Bosman and Texas Film Commissioner um, Warren Scarron would receive um, $225,000, which is about now it's $1.2 million, um, and 35% of the profits. Uh, they kind of said that they made a deal with the devil and that's what they kind of got. Um, so they signed with Bryanston Pictures. Um, and after the investors recouped their money and all the accounts were paid off, um, only $8,100, about 42000 now, um, was left to be divided amongst the cast and crew. Um, and obviously this was, as we know, it's quite famously a very tough um, film to produce yeah. um so i think edwin neal who we mentioned earlier who played the hitchhiker said that he he was in vietnam and filming this was actually a worse experience and that people <laughs> were actually trying to kill him in vietnam but this was still worse um people were filming in extremely hot temperatures um for long hours because they didn't have long to shoot it i think they only had about two weeks to shoot it maybe um they had to always keep the costumes on uh, and they were kind of covered in fake real blood. They didn't know which was which, but they couldn't change. Um, so after they had the a lot of the cast and crew actually ended up um, suing the company um, for another 2.6 million to be adjusted. But by then the company had actually gone bankrupt. Um, 
they only ran for about six years, Bryanston Pictures. And it was just, it's kind of a really interesting way because you think that if they hadn't taken a chance on putting this film out, um, I don't know whether it would have actually got a release anywhere. Whether yeah. this would have just been one that was filmed in 1974, 73, and then actually released in the mid 80s or something like that. You know? And it was a very, you know, it was a groundbreaking film when it came out. It did later go on to. You know, well, influence it, it was it was banned in oh. in a lot of places, and it yeah. was it was and it's kind of what added to its kind of mystique. As I said, like the, this wasn't without controversy. It was a very you know it it was in a lot of places in America, and included I believe parts of like Texas as well were part of that kind of that they were like that it it it, it displayed characters and it displayed Texans as these kind of disgusting yeah. inbred <laughs> people. And then around the world, like lots of countries wouldn't let it. I, I, I think there might even still be some countries that are like, no, <laughs> um, because it's it's just such a, a, an uncomfortable and bizarre kind of film that kind of touches on issues that to this day, some countries are still not on board with or willing to like accept. Um, yeah. and we, I, I know it was definitely on the video nasties list, as we've talked about in previous beaches and things like yeah. that in the UK. So. It was allowed an official, it had its first run and it ran for about a year. Um, and then it was banned, which is quite strange because it was then banned. And apparently that what they banned it was, was the word chainsaw um, being used in the title. So, and it wasn't until like 1998, I think I'm just reading, um, that it was allowed to be released as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So I'm not sure what it would have been, what they would have called it before. You know, yeah. can't find what it was called, um, and then it was it was released. Uh, it was broadcast a year later on her channel four, which is kind of a random little fact. Um, so it, it's Weird. a very interesting kind of film, um, and I, I think watching it has reminded me of just how incredible the film is itself. Um, but it, it has made me want to go through and watch the rest of the franchise. Um, oh yeah, I, I've from... started watching the rest. I've, yeah. I've watched, I've watched the first one, which, as you said, I forgot how good it was. I always knew I liked it. I, I definitely, when I was younger, I'd loved it. But watching it again now, I had forgot how good of a horror film this is. How good of a film in general this is. Um, and I yeah. watched the second one, which was, you know, I had, uh, I had mixed feelings on because going straight from watching the first one to the second one is a jarring experience. It is. Because <laughs> they are very know. different films. But it's, it still sickened me to, to my stomach. The whole, <laughs> the whole part about him uh, like eating the parts of his scalp would just literally... Yeah. Be, I think I literally might have Shop. gagged at one point. But <laughs> It's fucking grim with the coat it, hanger. And it's just, a weird... I mean, yeah. It's a weird yeah, franchise. It's got it ups is. and downs. It's got it's got McConaughey in the Ready Zellweger in a really fucking weird Next Generation one, which I think you said Both. you haven't seen. Oh, have you, or have you I haven't that seen. One? I haven't no. seen it yet. I, the I only one I don't three. like. I don't like three. Three is the only one I don't like um, because it just feels like it's a straight remake of um, the first one. It, it it feels like it doesn't bring anything new to the franchise. Um, right. It does have. A sexual man in it, which is Viggo Mortensen. Viggo I think Mortensen. it's his first film, so it does have a sexual man in it. But that's about it. The rest of the film 
is kind of, you know, is very hit and miss. Um, it's the only film that I would say that I don't like. I haven't seen The Next Generation. Um, I like both, I like the reboot and I like the beginning. I like um, I like Texas Chainsaw 3D. Um, the, what about Leatherface? The Le- Leatherface, it was okay. I don't think it particularly... I it, yeah. I, I think I've seen Beginning. I've seen um, Texas Chainsaw 3D. I've seen yeah. the remake, obviously. Um, so there's not many that I'm missing, um, but three, I haven't seen three and I haven't seen Leatherface, um, but a lot of people have said don't bother with Leatherface, but I'll give it a go anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's a weird film in itself. It doesn't really work, tries to have some twists in it that, yeah, again, doesn't really work. But I think if it, if it wasn't, it wasn't a Texas Chainsaw Massacre film, it would have been better, but... It's okay. It's like it's a watchable film, um, but I mean, I'm I'm got to be interested to see how what the new ones like. Um, oh, absolutely! Because they are going down this whole kind of legacy sequel, um, which in itself has got to be interesting. One thing that I always loved about the franchise is that Sally Hardesty um, it had kind of spent after surviving the Texas Chainsaw Massacre had been kind of driven insane um, and had stayed in a psychiatric unit and I liked that though she survived she didn't have a happy ending you know and I liked that she didn't you know whereas you know we get a Laurie Strode who you know even in H2O is kind of trying to move on and live a life I liked that in a strange way Sally was didn't have that that she had been so kind of mentally scarred by this experience she hadn't been able to kind of get over it had always kind of it just scarred her so yeah i'm kind of i don't know i don't know with the new one if if that is how they're following it in that way and if that's still the case because obviously it it, whatever was said in like although they've said that the sequels could still exist i don't think they're not directly so they're not wiping it like halloween but they are, yeah. saying they are saying at the same time, though, that this is just a direct follow-up to the original. People can add in the rest of the sequels if you find it. They said that's for fans to make up. They're not officially saying they're getting rid of the whole timeline, but it's a very yeah. messy... But they are admitting it's a very messy timeline. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, guess, can't, well, I said, like, the sequel, I don't feel should be in the same universe as the first one. I feel like the characters are very different characters from the first to the second one. From what I saw, they're, they're not the same people as they once were. Like, they well, are very different, I think. Um, and I think... Well, that's it. It's a pretty strange film itself, isn't yeah. it? But I think with the new one, I mean, the, one of the things that I know that people are reacting to possibly badly is that the new one just kind of looks like Halloween 2018, but we've swapped out ha- Sally Hard. She just looks like someone who's lived a life on a deserted farm and that she's going to go and try and kill him with the weapons she has and stuff. So I don't know whether the psychological part of being in an asylum is will remain or whether they're just yeah. going to gloss over it and be like, she's someone who's been preparing for 50 years, which is basically what Jamie Lee's character was in Halloween. Yeah, I, you know, I really so, don't know what to expect. Um, like I said, yeah. I haven't watched the trailer. Um, no, you haven't. So yeah, it's nah. it's it's um, and it's worth not doing because there are there were a couple of deaths that are given away in the trailer, um, which is always rubbish when that happens. Um, yeah. And I think 
uh, the only and the only thing I'll put out now is that for me, the only thing that the only thing so far that's really like offered me is that I just don't like the look of the new mask. <laughs> you know, no, like, it's um, what I've seen. I've seen a picture. It looks doesn't look particularly great. But... It, it just looks odd. It looks long. It, it's not dried out skin like in the original. It looks like fresh skin where he's he's taken someone's skin off and still put the bloody remains on his face, which isn't exactly what Leatherface would tend to do because he'd tend to have many faces cured and ready to go for wearing. Yeah. He, he had a weird, even in this first one, he has a weird thing about his appearance looking good. And I don't think he's a killer that just puts the partially ripped off face onto his face. He normally... He 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 sorts them. He cures them. He stitches them. He, you know what I mean? Yeah, cares for his faces. I think that's I don't know, why I the original the... version. That's the way I would take it. Yeah. The original version. He seems to care for his look in this weird, twisted way. Yeah. Well, I guess we're just gonna have to find out, aren't we? Um, Absolutely. I, in the next episode. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, so we'll. I mean, we'll we'll uh, we'll be dropping our review. Um, the night after the night of it, so the 18th, um, with Simon from um, So I Married a Horror Fan podcast. So go and check them out, obviously, in the interim. Um, and as always, kind of hit the like and subscribe button. Um, next week, we're doing a little special for Valentine's Day, um, where we're going to be discussing the kind of underrated 2001 slasher, uh, Valentine. So join us next Monday for that. And as always, um, if you've liked the show and you're a fan of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, which I actually, I'll jump over to the social media lounge quickly um, because just I was trying to wrap up then, but then I remembered that this film actually got quite a bit when we went over to the social media lounge. Um, so I put it out on our, on our um, Twitter at CMDH podcast, um, trying to see what the general kind of consensus was because I'd always, you know, considered this to be, a seminal piece um, and yeah. something that everybody's watched. Um, but Simon, who is actually going to be joining us, um, did say that um, he's got to get crucified for this, but thinks it's one of the most overrated horror movies of all time. He's seen it once and it bored him, but he thinks that the remake is the best horror remake of all time. Um, so that's quite an interesting take, and he'll be joining us. Um, Lindsay, who is one of the hosts of Ghoul Friends, said that they watched it for the first time um, ever and they thought it was fucking incredible. Um, Master Seth uh, said that, you know, it was tied with Night of the Living Dead as a perfect film. Um, there's nothing like it. Um, Bob Scott, who was one of the winners of our first competition, said that they saw it once years ago and thought it was really bad and haven't seen it since. Um, so it was kind of one of these ones which I thought um, everybody kind of loved, um, but universal praise, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but definitely, not. Uh, no, it definitely, um, you know, just but drove opinions there. It's interesting, I, and it might depend on what your horror tastes. I always love character-driven and psychological horror. Um, with a bit of slasher thrown in there is even better. So you know. I love it in that way, but some people might prefer it if it was more slasher. And the remake, for instance, is is more, more a bit more slasher, a little bit less psychological, a bit more gruesome kind of thing. So yeah, I could definitely see that in that way. So there's lots of great like thoughts out there. Um, I would say if someone watched it a long time ago, maybe give it a second year. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and as always, if you've enjoyed the show, uh, come and let us know what you thought about it. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram. 
and TikTok now at CMTH Podcast. Um, and as always, if you hit the subscribe button and leave us a lovely review, it will help. And we will see you next Monday for a special Valentine's Day episode. Goodbye. Thank you.